Hey, what's up there, Surf Splendor listeners? This is your host, David Scales. Welcome back to another episode. Wanted to say thanks for all the kind words regarding last week's episode, um, which was called Bootstrapping, and it interviewed a couple of uh, board builders who've kind of built their business from the ground up and uh, got a lot of good feedback on that, so I appreciate it. Bringing you an episode next week with filmmaker Andrew Kidman, who um, talks about his new film, Spirit of Akasha. And then also, it's the 20-year anniversary of Litmus, which was pretty pivotal move, uh, movie, movement, all that. So we talk about that a little bit as well. You can look forward to that next week. And if you're a new listener, kind of giving you the basic format of this podcast, we do profile pieces every other week. So that was last week and next week. And then in these alternating weeks, we bring you surf news. And the co-host, my co-host of Surf News is Scott Bass. Scott Bass has had his own radio show for 10 years on various formats, but on um, the podcast platform for, I think, maybe like eight or nine of those years. So kind of an early adopter when it came to podcasting. And, um, And basically, we simulcast. So we record together, and then he publishes it via uh, Down the Line, which is the name of his show, on downthelineradio.com. And then I simulcast the same broadcast, plus this intro and an outro at the end, here on Surf Splendor. And then the alternating weeks where I do the profile pieces are available exclusively on Surf Splendor. So if you're new to the show, those are the nuts and bolts. And of course, uh, you can access us and communicate with us either on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com or on social media at Surf Splendor. All right, that is it for um, all of the business that I need to convey to you. Otherwise, enjoy today's show. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio, a podcast for you and yours to listen to. I'm Scott Bass. I'm David Lee Scales. (laughs) Our co-host, David Lee Scales. Jump in there. Co-co-hosts. Exactly. Um, And it is Tuesday, and it's June 23rd, and David and I are sitting in a park, if you want to call it that grassy area a grassy area with a bench and we're recording beautiful san clemente california and there's a lot going on in the surf world not the least of which is um last week the fiji pro ended they've got some events here in southern california for the amateur surfers the usa surf championships the vulcan uh totally crustaceous tours happening at lowers right now just down the street here and uh, a lot going on you know it feels like for the first time in a long time that summer is here the marine layer is more or less uh, parting early in the morning and the sun's out and the water's warm and yeah. uh, on that note you know we had this international surfing day david a couple of days ago what the 21st or the 22nd i'm not exactly something sure something like that and maybe 21st maybe in your hometown of huntington beach peter townend and the chamber of commerce there the the uh huntington beach visitors bureau and i'm sure that's not exactly what they're called but The Chamber of Commerce um, got together and had this massive surfboard built. It was 42 and a quarter feet long, 11 feet, one inches wide, and 16 inches thick. And the reason for this large surfboard was to break the Guinness Book of World Records for 
number of surfers on one board on a wave right. and they they successfully uh, set a new world record and they had a Guinness world record adjudicator on hand to make sure that uh, everything was fit and proper and um, I guess I should say congratulations to the city of Huntington Beach for yeah. having the most people ever on one surfboard riding one wave. Um, but I did see a little bit of backlash on online about it from some people, most noteworthy, um, Seth Matson. Uh, do you know Seth? I think uh, he's a Huntington Beach like surf promoter at one time. Yeah, not really. Anyway, he, he was sort of wondering if it's all well and good on Facebook. and But... Um, I really don't know too much about it other than um, our good friend Peter Townen is behind it, and I'm behind usually uh, anything that Peter's behind, uh, just because he's such a good buddy of mine. Um, but what were your thoughts on it? Were you there for it? I mean, this is your hometown. Did you get a chance? Did you want to be on the board? Any of that stuff? Heck no, and heck no again. I have no interest in even uh, going down and dealing with a crowd. You know, try to avoid crowds as much as possible, basically. So the waves are like one foot and there's 5,000 people coming out to watch the thing. And I mean, it's kind of an, a, a promotional thing more than anything. So I'm not sure um, what the purpose even is. Why does it matter to set a Guinness Book of World Record to get a bunch of people on a surfboard, you know? Um, so I avoided it. And I know Sippo was there and Stamps and some other Huntington Beach guys. I think Hurley sponsored it, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah Hurley sponsored it. So all the Hurley crew is, which PT, you know, has affiliation with. And yeah. so, but I don't know, dude, it's neither here nor there to me. It doesn't affect my surfing experience in one way or another. Well, certainly um, the goal was to draw attention to Surf City, Huntington Beach. I think they did that. Yeah. Um, I know they had local media there. I'm sure they got some national coverage as well. And it was all over uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, I guess some of the backlash that I heard was that it's a bummer that they basically kind of closed, closed down the city for, for guys like you who just want to go surf the pier on, right. a, on International Surfing Day. Yeah. Um, but Which I, I don't feel any of that negativity. I don't feel a need for any backlash. If no. they want to do this promotional thing and whatever, I don't care. That's fine with me. But um, there's plenty of waves down the beach, too. Yeah. So what did they build the board out of? It was a uh, just a standard sort of contemporary construction method, you know, like foam and fiberglass. And was it like EPS or something? I'm not sure about that. Um, probably. Because, I mean, it's so massive. I'm wondering, um, yeah, what what foam blocks are even that big? Where I mean, maybe from like the construction industry or something? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, um, it's I weird. imagine it was some EPS stuff that they glued together. Yeah, it's got to be. But anyway, International Surfing Day. Any other thoughts on International Surfing Day? Why they have it? Should they have it? Is it good to have it? Um, um, again, my thought was I'm going to avoid the beach at all costs today on International Surfing Day because for me, with Huntington Beach, it's just crowded. Yeah. I assume if you surf somewhere else um, or live in central coast of California or a lot of places around the world, you might as well participate, you know, if your beach isn't going to be overrun. But for me, I was thinking every kook from here to the 909 is going to be showing up at the beach to participate therefore i will take the day off plus like i said the waves are like one foot that day but i had some friends doing a bonfire that evening at the beach that i was gonna go hang out at so 
I brought a board and I ended up catching a few waves in the evening anyways. Oh my, so, so yeah. you surfed on International Surfing Day. <laughs> I did. I wasn't planning to, but I was like, you know what? What the heck? It was actually pretty fun. Do you think that your average surfer um, like wakes up on that day or a couple days prior and goes, oh boy, I can't wait. There's International Surfing Day's coming up. You know, I'm, I'm going to ride a board that day. I'm going to surf. I'm going to, you know let my you know let my mojo flow that i'm a surfer and i'm part of this tribe and or I, is it just like because i get the general sense obviously that it's just sort of like every every hardcore surfer like you and i is just like whatever right you know again i'm not here to poo poo it i guess it's cool well except that i just don't really give a crap because for you and i every day is international surfing day and i think that's the way 99% of the surfers feel it's just like another day where I go surfing. It's exactly. not like I have to get out and make a plan to go do this. The forecast matters more than anything. And it's kind of like, if there's waves that day, I'll surf. If there aren't, I won't. I wonder who even started International Surfing Day. And just kind of like that and with the Guinness Book thing, it's almost like outside entities or fringe entities just want to um, benefit from you know this subculture and so we're going to create this thing that we can somehow promote and i'm wondering well i believe surf rider foundation started it oh, a long they? time ago you know okay. whatever it was 15 years 20 years ago whatever it was it was the surf rider foundation and of course you know they want to bring attention to healthy oceans and healthy ecosystems in the in the ocean and that makes sense yeah and so you know more power to it you know on that on that level alone it's worth doing but you don't get the sense that there was this it wasn't like earth day or ocean day where you get the sense that everyone's going out there to do it because we want to draw attention to a healthy ocean it was more just like it's sort of if that was the message it was certainly lost on on me through the media that i saw you know on facebook or whatever yeah or if that was the purpose originally they should have incorporated um pick up a piece of trash when you go surfing on international surf day or something like that pick up five pieces of litter from the beach you know yeah it's it's almost turned into this let's just go have fun and go surfing mojo which again is like okay yeah we get it we that's what guess what we've been doing that for 40 years you know Mm -hmm. duh and so you almost do kind of as you and i talk here get get the feeling or get the hope i should say that that they would kind of um sway towards that that line of thinking you know where it's like hey let's bring some attention to a healthy blue ocean um but again i didn't see a whole lot of surf rider mojo i remember in the past it was a pretty big surf rider thing i'll tell you what i remember from the past was i think surfer magazine um doing features that were like you know a 10 page spread that was all photo shot on june 21st from around the world yeah and i thought that was really interesting yeah seeing you know i remember sean thompson shot of him paddling out at Rincon when it was just one foot that day, but just to kind of get in the ocean. Next spread was like Uluwatu at eight feet and pumping on that same exact day. Um, so I always thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I remember actually I was working at Surfer during that time when we did that. And I, I do remember those pages and being in edit meetings when we were discussing all that. And that was really um, Evan Slater's, Evan Slater was a big part of making that happen and and of course that was a situation where the surf rider reached out to the various magazine editors and said hey we're doing this thing we need you to be to get behind it and um and that's how that came about yeah that was a cool concept well what's next on the agenda here my friend um you want to cover fiji yeah let's go into fiji fiji for me revitalized all that is amazing about surf competition 
I mean, it was spectacular. The waves, especially when the waves turned on and were pumping, it was pure excitement. I was exhausted. I remember just like it was over and I was like, oh my God, that was an intense. And I remember just being exhausted. Like I can't imagine how the surfers and and how the WSL and all the people that were putting the event together and the broadcast together must have been exhausted as well. I was just like, wow. Isn't that That great That took a lot out of me. But that's what you want, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I felt the same way watching the US Open Golf Tournament on Sunday. You're just like, oh my God, that thing's over. That was heavy, you know? Compare that to the snapper event where it's just like endless lay days and then once they run, it's kind of boring anyway and um, this was just pure adrenaline packed I mean it was awesome I loved it it really was and and you know when you have two tens in the heat um, a couple of times yeah uh, you know you're that means somebody's getting barreled off their nut and it was pretty incredible and um, I had Owen right on my fantasy team well done did you uh, we don't need to talk about fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> that's code for I kicked David's ass I, one more time. I, that's kind of a boring scene. topic for me personally. <laughs> I think we should focus on the event itself. And then, oh my, did I win any money or? Uh, I don't know. I haven't even really looked at it. To be oh honest. my god, this guy! I haven't been paying attention. So soft. This is all code for I did beat David uh, handily in fantasy surfer for the second week in a row which makes three out of the five events i've beaten you three out of the five events i have beaten you in fantasy surfer and um did you notice i'm winning the women's division by the way the overall rankings (laughs) i'm number one nothing less of you than to be not only leading the women's uh, division but um you know proudly waving the flag as you have done congratulations however back to the men's yes please yeah i'm i'm kicking butt uh I'll get into fantasy. I do have stats. But, um, but yeah, so Owen, I mean, there's a couple of storylines here, I think, from the event. Owen Wright got two perfect 20 heats, which we've never seen before. I think there's only been seven perfect heats is what they're saying. Never in a final, which Owen actually did in the final, but he also got one in, like, the quarters or, or maybe round five or something. Um, so he was the informed surfer of the event. I thought all of those tens were legitimate tens. I don't think there was any controversy about it should have been a 9.8. He just owned it out there. Kelly Slater had a little bit of a return to form with a few heats, but ultimately wasn't able to capitalize throughout. He ended up losing, I think, to Idolo Ferrer, mm-hmm. who is also a storyline in this event, and he was a storyline in Brazil. So that Kelly Slater kind of lack of dominance or lack of focus moments of brilliance but ultimate lack of focus we actually saw from Owen Wright in the way that in the past Kelly the way it'd be overcast and the waves are crappy and then Kelly paddles out the sun comes out set start rolling in Owen had that mojo there was heats where guys were barely making through and there was a lot of closeouts but as soon as Owen paddled out 10 point ride 10 point ride couple nines couple eights you know so um what are your thoughts well my first thought is as much as we um sometimes bash and are sometimes critical and that's what we do here of the wsl my hat is off to the wsl for um for getting pulling off a great event you know from a fan's perspective david you and i loved it and so i want to thank the wsl and congratulate the wsl for a great event uh, i thought they did a great job you know um again from a a production standpoint i liked the fact that strider was in the water i thought strider 
did much better Agreed. in the water. He's not good at the desk. In the water, he's he's more relaxed. He's like talking to a friend of his usually. Yeah. And so it's it's a little bit, he just comes off better. And the thing about Strider, I think, is everybody loves Strider because he's just a nice human being and he's a good guy. And Passionate. so they seem to be giving him as much of a chance as they can to keep him around. And I think he's, you know, he's doing a much better job there in the water. I wouldn't say he shines in the water, but he's, um, he's much easier to digest when he's doing that sort of man-on-man water interview. I agree. It's like they, they recognized his weaknesses, but rather than firing him, figured out a niche for him. And I agree with you. He's yeah. much better there. How'd you feel about his button-up shirt? I'm I'm down with the button-up shirt. I don't think it was forced. I've actually worn button-up shirts like that when I'm out in in tropical yeah. waters. Um, I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good look. You know, I, I anything that's different is cool. It's it's funny as surfers, we're generally really conservative. You know, we come off as this like liberal group of people, but when it comes right down to surfing, it's like okay, we have to have you know this you know a white board. You have to have this rash guard or your kook. If you don't have the leash on this no way, you're a kook. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. certain things where, as a as a group, we're really conservative, and it's easy to see the outsider based on, oh, they're not doing it the way that they're supposed to do it. Yeah. And so it's refreshing. Well, I just like that he was wearing the exact same outfit he would have been wearing at the desk, only he's <laughs> soaking wet in the water. You know? Yeah. It was it's like funny. he showed up to be at the desk, and they're like, no, 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 you're in the water exactly. today. He's like, all right. But then he button the top button too um, and he sort of lost it a little bit like he did those reef those low tide where he stood on the reef mm-hmm. moments and some the first couple ones were good and then some of the other ones i think where he, when he has too much time to think is mm-hmm. when he gets in trouble you know and a lot of us get there you know like if you just if he's just kind of winging it with a buddy in the water that's paddling up to him it's way better than okay strider tell us about your perspective here now and it got a little bit like you know it just you know he stumbled a few times yeah he also posted an Instagram of him in the barrel, like getting barreled at Cloudbreak, holding the microphone. And he said that they actually tried to broadcast um, a, a shot of him getting barreled and uh, commentating or narrating the experience of getting barreled. But they lost the feed and the transition from the microphone. So it yeah. didn't quite work out, but the image is rad. He's like holding the mic to his mouth talking while he's getting shacked. Well, that was really a cool picture, and I'm sure that they're going to have that figured out for Chopu. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we see Strider pulling into the barrel uh, at Chopu and talking to us about uh, how great it is. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a new layer for sure. I think GoPro now has the ability to live stream. They do. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Feed. I was I was telling you that the Big Wave World Tour yeah, needs to do right. that. That's right. So, um, Idolo Ferrer, I want to comment on him. I mean, we saw the kid ripping in Brazil and doing huge airs on small waves. We've seen that a lot. But he, I thought, really brought it at Fiji. But also what I loved about him is his reckless abandon. Like he was smashing closeout section, end sections over the shish kebab, you know, section basically. And I've never really seen that done before. Like the the recklessness was crazy a friend of mine commented just that he has no respect for the wave essentially which might work against him at some point but he never got injured through the comp and it was a point of difference between him and kelly like kelly's waiting for the bombs idolo would put together a six but then do that end section smash which got him the eight and the nine or the seven and the eight which allowed him to get through the heat you know other guys don't go for that yeah, this is one of those events, right, where we, when you're putting together a team or you're talking about who's going to be there at the end, you always think about veterans. 
and and that was the case except for elo you know we, we had we had taj and julian and kai otten and and uh the winner Owen Wright and Kelly was in the mix and Joel Parkinson and so and then there's Idolo you know like he was the one that you go you know he doesn't really belong if you if you went along with that paradigm right and um, and so it was refreshing and you're right he absolutely killed it and um, but it was neat also to see you know the, you just had a feeling guys like Kai Otten or like even though Ace or Nat Young didn't do well those those veteran goofy foots that were going to pull into some massive barrels and certainly Kai and Owen uh, took those spots right. So the other big storyline was that, as a whole, the Brazilians faltered big time. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. And you and I talked about, you know, will Felipe be able to handle and stand up to this test here? And he didn't. No, you he know? did not. And, um, and that's not to say that he can't do it. I mean, he's a world-class surfer, and we know he can do it. But it's a different story when the pressure's on you. You're one of the leaders on tour. <clears throat> you're having a hell of a year. And, oh, by the way, you know, you're in the focus now. You know, everyone's looking at you. And um, he let us, he let, you know, he just didn't pull it off. Neither did Gabriel Medina. Gabriel is a guy that I did put on my fantasy team because I figured he won the event last year, obviously, but also he's had a slow start to the season. A he was slow ripping. start is being kind. Yeah. I mean, he's been horrible. Exactly. And he's been ripping in the free surf. So I'm like, this is where the gears are going to finally click. And uh, they did not, man unfortunately for my fantasy team well it was cool to see kai otten um you know it's, i just think it's there was just such so much real surfing going on with big rail carves owen wright leading the charge there and and also Idolo. um all the guys you know when they had a chance to do the big turn it was a pretty incredible deep gouging you know rail hack mm-hmm. and uh just so much power at that wave and really it's it's as you and i commented sort of offline when we were watching it or i think i maybe texted you or something but you know, this type of event that the WSL produces is the reason we don't give a shit about watching Rio. Right. You know, it's just, it, it all sort of has to at least attempt to be at that level. You know, like if you go to Chopu and it's flat, okay, well, at least you tried, yeah. you know? What about Dane, dude? Dane is the wild card. We kind of uh, poo-pooed, basically. Like, where's his head game? He's not really going to bring it. He freaking brought it, dude. Yeah, he did well. You know, there's no doubt. You can't sit here and say he didn't do well. Um, I'm still not Adriano. convinced. I'm, I'm still not convinced that that he has the inner fortitude or the moxie to be um, a legitimate event-to-event competitive surfer. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like you almost get the sense that he's kind of like, yeah, I guess I did do pretty well, you know, like as opposed to damn right. I planned on going in there and kicking ass, and I'm going to do it again at the next event. I just don't think that's Dane Reynolds. I- I agree that takes time to tell, but I do think we saw more spark than we've seen from him in a long time. It was surprising. There There was was no doubt. Much more kind of ambition and drive. And it doesn't hurt that, you know, it's six to eight feet and really good. Right. But in this, in not only did he surf brilliantly, but he competed. Like he had Adriano and he competed against him and beat him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's something to take away for sure from this event. You know, it's funny when you think about Dane, you and I are like, oh, yeah, Marine Layer, let's watch him surf four-foot Ventura or three-foot Ventura or whatever. And and in many ways, that's how we envision him. But when you think about where he's done really well on tour, he did good in the Holly Eva event, right, a couple of years ago where well, he did that big, yeah. crazy turn, that pick nose pick or whatever. What do they call that turn? It was like a layback on the end section. But, it, you know. Yeah. And – um. And that was like 10-foot Haleiwa, you know? Yeah. And he's done well at Sunset Beach. Yeah. And now he's doing well. And like, it's, it's funny that he does competitively. He does well competitively at these larger waves. Yeah, so 
interestingly, how do you think this bodes for him getting the wild card into Jay Bay? Because Jay Davies performed well in West Oz, and they threw him the wild card for Fiji based on that. Dane did well at Cloudbreak. Fiji's an open, or uh, Jay Bay is an open event. So there's a couple wild well, cards. Well, I think there. that a couple of things. I think he deserves it based on what he did. Secondly, look, it's no secret that Paul Speaker is close to the Quicksilver people. And so I'm sure that there's some inner workings there where they're like, hey, we, Paul, I, I need Dane, my guy, in your event. There's no blanket sponsor, so let's put him in. So I think, and I'm assuming a lot here, but I think that has something to do with how he got into Fiji and that's how he's going to, uh, now he doesn't need that, but he will be. I would be surprised if he wasn't a wild card. I'm claiming it. At I think, I think he ought to be. Would you put him on your team? I would, yeah. Or would you need to see the swell? Um, not really. I, I feel comfortable with him at J-Bay. I, I, I would too, but it's he's one of those guys, every time you put him on your team, he, he you know he right. misses his heat or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking yeah. of Paul Speaker. Sure. Did you see the Fox Business News report with Stuart Varney? I did. <laughs> okay. Stuart Barney. What a Barney, by the way. <laughs> That's okay. We'll allow him to be a Barney. I mean, because he's a Fox Business guy with an English accent. Yeah. Um, but so he just, well, I don't know what your takeaways from it were, but um, it just, it, it was sort of sad as surfers to see both Paul Speaker and this guy kind of talking about what professional surfing is. Because quite frankly, I'm not sure Paul Speaker can swim. I know he can't surf. And I don't think he should be the figurehead for the WSL in these situations. Although, because it's a business news report, it does make sense for Paul to be there. And I think he likes being out there. And he's actually pretty savvy with just winging it and making it like, you know, he's like, oh yeah, and it breaks in two inches of water, you know? And it's like, if you didn't know, you'd be like, wow, that guy really knows his shit. Yeah, and if you didn't know, fins are longer than two inches and they would scrape the reef. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, to to the to us to those of us that are in the know it sort of came off really kooky and um and then you know they did that that random cutaway to sharks like some some (laughs) assistant producer just goes put some sharks and some bikinis in there when you're talking about this yeah well also they did a cutaway to julian wilson and or jeremy flores getting barreled and he called him owen Wright. Yeah, and he goes yeah that's owen Wright getting two 10 point rides or whatever and i'm not sure maybe he was seeing a different feed than what we were actually seeing maybe or, yeah, I don't know. Either. But it came off kind of kooky. And, of course, the big news from it was that, you know, according to Paul Speaker, Kelly makes $20 million a year. Easy, probably more. Exactly. That's what he said. And so there's been a lot of fun, you know, back and forth on uh, social media about that. Not the least of which is Kelly saying, hi, I wish I made that much right. money a year. And then some others were starting to um, ramble on about Kelly's net worth, which, you know, um, I'm sure he some guys on the surfer magazine forum were talking about his real estate holdings his kelly slater's net worth that he has homes in queensland and maybe he has something in manhattan for sure he's probably got a home in Cocoa beach or he bought his mom a home and right and he's got a home in montecito which is multi-million dollar home right so um how much his mortgages how much he really owns on those properties not to mention i guess he had and still perhaps has a major stake in the GoPro IPO, right. which probably netted him a ton of money. It wouldn't surprise me at all if on the back end, he secretly had some Volcom money during the Volcom IPO about 10 years ago yeah. because there were some other guys at Quicksilver that that allegedly did that same thing. Yeah. Well, and, I looked him up. There's a website called CelebrityNetWorth.com, and I don't know how substantiated their information is, but they said his um, net worth was 15 mil. 
Sounds about right. I'd think so. Yeah. Yeah. And annually, how much do you think um, Kelly Slater makes annually with prize winnings and sponsorship dollars? And do you think Four do you mil. think that caring, like he's got this new outer known that this group caring, this, this soft goods company, is helping him develop. And some have suggested that there's no way Kelly would even go into it without a, I'm getting paid an annual salary as a, you know, just right up front. How much right. is he getting, even without the product on the shelves yet, right. how much is he getting annually? Would you say four mil? Is that yeah, what you just I, said? I said four mil is kind of his uh, take home. You know, year from, from the curing, no matter not necessarily just from like a them. baseline. Oh, you mean you just mean like overall. between, yeah, between contest winnings, GoPro sponsorship, couple different things. I'm thinking he probably four mil, four mil, four mil. gross. Yeah. So two mil basically. after taxes. Yeah, but plus plus you know all of his holdings and still has no. But I mean like his annual yeah, salary, salary, like his yeah. revenue. How much is he bringing in? Four million dollars a year, that's all, huh? So the only the reason I came up with that number specifically was I've heard that's what Dane was getting paid with Quicksilver when he was in his prime. I've heard that's what John John's contract was with Hurley. That was kind of like the uh the benchmark for high you know, a high, a high salary so contract. My question is then, um, is if Kelly makes four million dollars a year, does John John or Dane make more than him right now? Right now, I don't know, but when... No, I mean, I know we, none of us know, right. but what is your gut feeling on that? Do you think that John John is worth more to the marketplace than Kelly Slater is? I do. I think that the brands view it that way. I yes. agree with you. I don't think he is. Right. But I would agree with you that the brands see it that way. But as far as big picture, who's the ambassador? Who do you want in front of the camera when you go to Fox Business News or when you go in front of Matt Lauer on the Today Show? Uh, from the big picture, from the WSL standpoint, obviously Kelly's a little bit better sell. Um, he's he's just older, smarter, more mature. Not to, not that John John's not great because right. he is he is, but it's hard to beat such a um, a great ambassador. So on paper, you'd think Kelly was, is worth a lot more, but um, certainly John John probably is making more than four million dollars a year, right? I I agree. I think basically from a brand's perspective. Um, what is the value of that athlete to the brand? John John probably has more ability to sell board shorts. Who's a better ambassador to the sport? Certainly Kelly Slater is. So Kelly as an individual recognized that at some point and just goes, okay, I need to wrench this value and power back into my court. And how do I do that? I develop a brand on my own and I do public speaking appearances and all this sort of stuff, you know, and that's really what Kelly's doing. So ultimately he'll net more than the four mil, but it won't be to benefit one specific entity or one specific brand other than his own. What do you think about um, Kelly Slater and this um, SeaWorld board of directors or shareholders meeting that they had and Kelly basically Skyped in a question saying, hey, you know, on behalf of PETA, which apparently owns some shares, so they're allowed to talk to SeaWorld during the shareholders meeting. They're allowed to get their two minutes. Did you hear about this? I saw it. I didn't really so, look into it. On behalf of PETA, Kelly Slater Skyped in a question basically saying, hey, how long? when are you going to stop um, caging in these beautiful animals, the orcas? And um, I'm not sure how much traction it got or how much play it got. It got a little bit of play. Um, but I don't know if you saw the question, but unfortunately it was – it was not so much a question as it was a statement with a question at the end. Like, okay. I can't, you know, basically 
you know, you house these beautiful creatures, you put them in boxes, it's bad for them, it's bad for the environment, it's bad for what everyone stands for. Just a lot more kind of shaming of SeaWorld. And then at the end he goes, how much longer is this going to go on? That right. was the question. And, um, and, and I, don't, I don't ask you this in the context of, was it a good question? Is SeaWorld bad? Is SeaWorld good? But rather in the context of, was it a good business move for Kelly to sort of put himself out there as, um, as a spokesperson or against this thing? And of course, we all know Kelly does this and, and I applaud him for it. But from a business perspective, and I think of a guy like Kelly, or like uh, Tiger Woods, who Tiger or even Michael Jordan, those guys are never on any sort of um, discussion. They're never putting themselves out there regarding, say, the NAACP or riots in Ferguson or anything that has to do with racism or the Confederate flag. Like you never see them going, hey, this is wrong. From a business standpoint, they're like, you know what? I'm not saying a word, but I will tell you about this great Timex. And so I'm asking you, you know, is it good for the Kelly Slater brand? That's a great, interesting point in question. And I'm not sure. I would argue probably not. I mean, I think that um, he's on the good side of that argument, obviously. Like, he's going to come out clean with this specific scenario. But as a general rule, yeah, to get to that superstar status of what, you know, Jordan and Tiger Woods are, you really have to not have an opinion. Well, that's exactly right. I would agree with that. And you've got to know that there are, you know, higher ups, vice presidents of marketing, they're going, hey, what about, you know, and they're looking at, at, at an ambassador to pitch their brand and they're, and they're looking at Taylor Swift and Kelly Slater and uh, Kanye West or whoever it is, right? And they're looking at them and they're going, well, which one's got baggage or which one's going to cause us an, a, you know, an embarrassment? Which, what's the, like the super vanilla guy that we can get, you right. know? And it's like, oh, Michael Jordan, he never yeah. says shit, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Although he has said some interesting things. But, you but know it, what I mean? Like, so it does su- harm Kelly a little bit to yeah. not that his opinions aren't great, not that we don't agree with them. And quite frankly, I applaud him for putting himself out there, for yeah. putting his opinion in front of the dollar, which I think is 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 a value to some companies in and of itself. But um, from a purely like, you know, business 101 marketing class in college, you'd be like, no, that's not the guy. He, right. he could come back to shame, shame us or cause problems. And I, w- I might lose my job right. <laughs> because I, I hired Kelly. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, also in regard to outer known, which we kind of referenced a little bit earlier, uh, their launch date for their first clothing line is July 15th, I believe. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm buying some, can I buy some right now? I will buy outer known right now. No, no, no. July 15th. That sucks. Yep. You got to wait. I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. I know. Why not? When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Support Kelly, dude. You know what? It's funny because, you know, like somebody was talking about Tom Curran, you know, and Tom Curran's so cool that he can wear roller skates and he just doesn't give a shit. And, And he's got that status. So I'm all about, I don't think I have that status. In fact, I know I don't. Yeah. But my point is, is that I'm okay with saying, you know what? I'm, I'm all about outer known because yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of what Kelly does as a human being. Well, push him over that $4 million a year mark, Well, who, man. who's next in line? So if it's John, John, like I want to know which uh, surfers, you know, make the most money based on, it's obviously sponsorship. As I most. would think Gabriel Medina might be I would next agree with in that. line. I would agree with that. Mick's probably pretty high up there. Yep. It's weird because we have these, you know, I wonder what Gabe makes against the U.S. dollar, the Brazilian, right. you know, like what's his U.S. dollar figure right. based on Brazilian, whatever that, what is their monetary? I'm not sure. But, um, you know. Um, hey, I've got a question. Yeah, go ahead. Based on, um, you know, Owen Wright's performance at Fiji and Felipe Toledo's at Rio, is the best surfing in the world? taking place on the world tour currently well that's a great question right like competitive surfing um just period period is the best surfing in the world taking place the the best surfing in the world never takes place in the competitive format who what better surfing have you seen other than owen Wright's waves at cloud craig anderson did that 540 right was that craig matt Matt miola did that 540 the other day that was insane i don't know if you saw Somebody did a mashup where they compared Kelly's with Matt's and which is a true rotation. I didn't see it. Um, it, it was out on Facebook and Kelly was commenting on it, basically saying, look, they're both totally different rotations, are, but, it, yeah. but it's cool that they compared them, mm-hmm. which is cool. But, but I mean, so you look, named, one, you one of my one... must-see moments is, is some surfing that went down recently in Indonesia, and I'll hold off on what it is. But my point is, is that the surfing was insane, and it wasn't even turns. It was just radical tube rides. Mm-hmm. And, you know... So I guess beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Com- competitive surfing is just different than free surfing. So if you have to throw them all into the kettle and say, what's the best stuff that's going down? You know, you got to say that um, there's guys that are free surfing like Craig Anderson, like Dane, quite frankly. Nah, I, I'm going to argue that okay. I haven't seen Dane free surf better than I've seen him surf at Cloudbreak during that event. And also... Owen Wright's waves at Cloudbreak were some of the best surfing I've seen in months. And prior to that, Felipe Toledo's in Rio was some of the best aerial surfing that I've seen, except for maybe Matt Miola's air. Like you named one wave that is better, but at the Rio event, I can name 10 of Gabriel or 10 of Felipe's waves. I think he got a couple of 10s actually. So there's multiple waves there. At Fiji, there was multiple waves there that are just better than yeah, anything else Yeah, but I think there's a lot on. of surfing that we just aren't seeing. That we're not, like well, there's action, there's stuff going down in Tahiti that we just, you know, you may have seen some glimpses of it. I mean, it's just so subjective. I know where you're going with this and I agree. Yeah. That the level of surfing specifically Owen Wright was like, you can't really ride the wave better than he rode. No. You know what I mean? And um, and those power hacks, that's why we were exhausted and stoked and we we thanked and congratulated the WSL, right? 
Well, I, I bring it up for a specific reason, and that is I've never felt that way before, that the best surfing in the world was taking place on tour. I felt like there was an alternate version that's taking place on tour where they're doing eight turns to the beach and they're doing the best version of that. But right now, currently, for the type of, like, it is the best level, you know, of aerialist, of barrels, of carves, of everything, of the way a wave should be surfed. They're scoring it appropriately now, you know? I would throw, I agree with you, but I'm going to throw this out at you. What's the young kid in Australia that was killing it at the box? Uh, Jack Robinson. Yeah. So Jack Robinson, to me, was like the standout, one of the standouts at that event. And he wasn't even in the event, although he was in the event, right? Like, no. He wasn't even in the event, and he was kind of schooling those guys. Right. So in that regard, you know, based on your question, can we can we start with January and go to this June? Can we talk take these six months? And I would say, well, look, I've got Matt Miola on my side, and I've got Jack Robinson on my side. And, and you're going, well, yeah, but I've got Philippe Toledo, and I've got what Owen Wright did at Fiji. And I'm saying, yeah, you know what? Okay, so it's a toss-up, but there's so much more free surfing that we just haven't seen. Sure. There's that for sure. But interesting point, though, you know? There is kind of a change. I would agree with you that... And, and that's why we were so stoked on that event that right. we felt fulfilled that we felt like we did, we weren't going yeah but if Dave Wassel was out there he'd be killing it right you know what no. I mean it was like there's nobody who could surf that better than Owen Wright or yeah Owen Wright surfed it yeah, yeah I mean he, he absolutely killed it yeah um, it was it was good to see a big man in big waves doing big turns yeah. getting big barrels you know it's like okay doesn't yeah. get much better the other one thing that I just um, thought of too is Julian Wilson um it's nice to have him make an appearance too. I mean, everybody knows his talent is there, but he doesn't always put it together. And this year he's really making a run and he was not on my fantasy team. And it's like, dude, I should, I, I don't know why I've overlooked him. You know, he's killing it. Yeah, I would agree. Julian was, it looked great. I mean, you know, he had that pipeline masters win and he, um, we expected a lot from him this year. And, um, he showed up. I I anticipate him winning a world title at some point. I agree. He's pretty young, and he's got the moxie, and he absolutely was charging. And he was doing some of those things you were talking about with uh, Italo, mm -hmm. where at the end of the wave he was doing these like ankle breaker floaters into really shallow uh, situations and and pulling it off, and yeah. um, pretty interesting. I think the one um, letdown if you had Josh Kerr on your team, you were a little bit disappointed. Yeah, and I did not, so yeah. I'm okay with it. Um, I'm going to run through the fantasy stuff real quickly. Oh, good. I knew you'd love this part of the show. Um, really impressive performances by a lot of people, actually, in the clubhouse. Um, Thank you. <laughs> three people had scores over 1,000. I saw that. Which is rare. Yeah. Um, there was four people that were within 10 points of 1,000. So a lot of high scores. Uh, those three people over 1,000, free to surf. Boot and Ombak Bagus, who does Bagus. pretty well. Oh, what? Bagus. It means good and oh, okay. Um, and then of the people who actually wagered in our fantasy pool, Skydive Base was the winner with 985 points. The total Skydive. prize purse was 260 bucks. Wow. I have two email addresses for Skydive Base, and I emailed them to find out which is the one I should send the money to, and I haven't heard back. So Skydive Base, if you're listening, Does the money roll email. over at a certain point? Can no. we roll the money into the next event? Skydive Base, you have one week, dude. Get your <laughs> act together. Check your emails because we're rolling this. Why not? Let's 
make some fun. Let's have <laughs> Got to keep it legit, dude. It's too much of a pain in the butt to administer so, that. The overall rankings for the clubhouse currently, Boogie Board for Life is back in first position. <laughs> that is so sad. If Boogie Board for Life, <laughs> I can't believe that. It's Nothing awesome. wrong with the Boogie Board. We just it's like awesome. to pay out on them a little bit. And then Jailer is number two, and Hondo 14 is in the third spot. Um, speaking of Boogie Board for Life, did you see that footage of Tom Curran riding the boogie yes. board at Salinas Cruz? I did. So I, awesome. I tell you what, that that clip, listeners out there, if you weren't, uh, if you didn't see this, there was like clickbait from the inertia, which was like, watch Tom Curran on a boogie board. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to watch that. And it was only one wave. Yeah. And then the rest of it was the guys who put up the clip, which was just like C-level wannabe 20-year-old pro guy. Wow. You just burned Matt Pagan hard. <laughs> well... Look, he was ripping, but I mean, there's a lot of guys that rip. I'm just, what, what I'm saying is that I anticipated seeing two minutes of Tom Kern on a boogie board. Right. And that's what I wanted to see. That's why I clicked on it. I didn't, I, you know, nothing against watching Matt Pagan surf or whoever that guy was. Yeah. I'm sure, he's a good guy. I know he's a good surfer, but that's yeah. not why I clicked on it. No. I just thought it was clickbait. Yeah. Well, I think I kind of connected a few different dots of things that I saw. And I think um, Tom Kern's participating in a film that is to do with finless surfing. Ah. Uh. And so the boogie board thing probably has to do with that. And then Matt Pagan was there with his brother, Mike Pagan, who is the filmmaker. Um, and they just poached a couple of clips of Tom, you know, yeah. basically and threw him in their thing. But, but you got to admit, it was kind of clickbait. You're like, whoa, yeah. Tom Kern on a boogie board. I want to see this. Well, and he was all, didn't he have like a bunch of sun garb on? Like he was yeah. all like he had he long had sleeves and pants on and yeah. like a safari hat. Yeah. Um, it was clickbait by the inertia. The inertia is the one that gave it that title oh. on Matt Pagan's video. The title is just called Mexican breeze. So oh. it has nothing. To okay. Do. Well then I apologize to those guys. Cause yeah, well that, you know, that's what the, it. that's the inertia's whole deal is yeah, they're clickbait animals. And, and so, um, I will say though, in reference to Matt and his brother, Mike, the strength of those videos is Mike's filmmaking. Like, I agree with you, Matt. Matt's surfing isn't spectacular. He's a good surfer. He's not going to change anybody's paradigm of how a wave should be surfed. But Mike's filmmaking actually is pretty pretty amazing. So Yeah, I remember the music being kind of cool. Yeah, his videos are really good. Um, and then, yeah, Curran. I saw a couple of clips of Curran recently, and again... The guy's just amazing. Dude. I think Curran should get the wild card. Let's let's uh, start well, a let's start a hashtag. Of some I'm sort. down for that because when he got the um, Heritage Series heat last year against Aki, he, he got, got a 10. ten. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a hashtag. What would it be so our listeners know so we can all start doing this? Current uh, for wild card hashtag. Current uh, wild card. How yeah. about that? Current wild card. Current card. The wild current card. So it's got to be simple though, so we can all remember it. All right. How about hashtag current wild card J Bay? Done. Is that too much? Yep. Current wild card. Current wild card. Hashtag current wild card. Wild current card. And then you wanna <laughs> and you wanna do at WSL. Exactly. At WSL. Okay. So remind me to do that. I want, you know. I'm not gonna remind you of Come anything. on. No. Heck no. It's That's, never gonna happen. Dude, it is happening. It's uh, happening. We no, need, I would love We have it. the power right now to make this happen. Let's use it. I need you to be on board here. Okay. It's not that hard. All right. I'm on board. Current wild card. Hashtag current wild card at WSL. I will put current on my team. If he gets the wild card, we're going to make him get the wild card. We got to start this whole deal. And listeners out there, I want you to start pushing this out there. Grab images of Curran and put out Instas. Make sure you credit the photographer. And um, let's go with that. Yes, indeed. And uh, if he does 
get the wild card. My bet is that he shows up with no boards, buys one off the rack at the local surf shop, and then goes out and smokes everybody. But of course, that's how he rolls on roller skates. Dane will paddle in from the heat and just let Curran shred by himself. <laughs> and clap. Exactly. Uh, did you see, uh, I don't know if this will affect Jay Bay or not, but did you see that Jeremy Flores had a pretty bad injury? No, but he's a name that we should have brought up with the Fiji inf- yeah. um, event because he continues to do well competitively. His, yeah. I, his, something's off about his style, but I put him on my team. Me too. He, he's, been going, well. he's been going well. He's been going great. Yeah, me Isn't too. he in the top 10 right now? Might be. He almost dropped off the tour. Yeah, last exactly. Year. Last year. He had to re-qualify. Um, we don't have internet right now, by the way, for the listeners. Yeah, Otherwise, we'd be looking this stuff up. Um, so Jeremy Flores uh, basically was surfing in the middle of Indo after the cloud break event. He went to Indonesia, was surfing a really remote reef pass somewhere, and wiped out, smashed his face into the reef, lost all of his memory for over an hour. Somebody had to pull him out of the water. He has uh, deep cuts all over his head and face. Um, Because they were so remote, it took 24 hours for them to be able to get medical attention. They flew in a helicopter, again, 24 hours later, took him to an international hospital where he had two hours of surgery on his face. Where was that, Singapore? I'm not sure. The good news is no fracture, and he said, I would post a picture of my actual face, but it would shock everybody, so I won't, LOL. (laughs) We want to see it, dude. We want to see that. Yeah, so brutal, but he doesn't know if he's going to be ready for J-Bay or not. Again, it's all just kind of uh, superficial damage, you know, cuts and stitches and stuff. Well, I'm glad he's not hurt really bad. It sounds pretty bad, but I'm glad he's, he's... Seems like he has his wits about him and he just needs to heal up. Yeah, I'll post the Instagram surfsplendorpodcast.com. Well, um, I see here that drug traffickers in Mexico modified a surfboard and they converted it into a remote control submarine to transport drugs to the United States. Luckily, the super crack TJ police, no pun intended, TJ police department discovered it after residents nearby reported there was an abandoned surfboard on the beach at Costa Azul, near that's in the Playa de Tijuana where the bull ring is. Yep. And um, it was around 7.30 when the police took the surfboard, 10 feet long, 4 feet wide, so it was like this big stand-up paddleboard. And um, they discovered that the fiberglass board had a double bottom and a propulsion mechanism made from metallic tubes and a small propeller, all connected with cables and, and to a battery. And it p- appears that water got into the compartment broke this device and inside there were several plastic jars inside of the surfboard stand-up paddleboard 22 packages total with different colored tops which contain 20 pounds of crystal meth no doubt on their way to huntington beach (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say how do they get to the inland empire once they land on shore Via Huntington, somebody from Corona picks it up at International Surf Day and drives it out to the 909. <laughs> Classic. Thanks for that burn. Um, uh, so not actually a submarine then. It's going to go on top of the water the whole time. Yeah. Crazy though. Black. It was so, black. So that one ended up getting waterlogged and on the beach. How but many how made many it? made it? 20. There's like a fleet of stand-up yeah. paddles. They're it, just going up by themselves. There's a good stand-up paddle joke in here somewhere, if I could think well, of it. Well, it's the only good use of a stand-up paddleboard. No, that's not a good use. Um, the least offensive use of a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, How's of, that? Least offensive use of a stand-up paddleboard. There's the joke. Transporting 20 pounds of crystal meth. Crazy. 
I got to watch out for that. Yeah. Um, so what's up with all these crabs washing up on your local beaches, dude? Nothing new. It's a good news, you know. The, Is it? Um, yeah, it's good news. It means El Nino. Um, it's another sign that El Nino is going to happen. I hate to get too. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, you know. That, but um, the last time these crabs washed up in San Diego, it was a big El Nino year, and uh, I want to. It might have been ninety-seven or ninety-eight. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing them before, and remember the and the water's warm. I mean, they're. Uh, did you see the video? They're catching yellowtail off the dock at Dana Point Harbor. No, I didn't see. Like it. where the boats are are you know moored up, they're right there. Guys are on the harbor. And there's yellowtail right there, you know, like the fishing. That's just another sign that we're in for hopefully um, an El Nino. They say, you know, I go on to Storm Surf. I've told you before, I, I, I listen to Mark's sponsor. He just puts out this great 30-minute video every week on what's happening with surf around the world, really. And the El Nino is a big part of it. And it can get a little bit um, scientific and monotonous, maybe. But um, he, I found out this week, yesterday when I was watching it, that Oh, I'm not allowed to bang on the table. That's no, right. you're not. Oh, shit. Got a lot of feedback about that. No banging Here, on the table. There's a pad for you. Use that as your your gavel and whatever. Anyway, um, July 15th is when the scientists will make their official proclamation whether it will be an El Nino oh, okay. year or not. Okay. And um, Well, for people who haven't seen the crabs, I mean, it's literally the beach is blanketed with okay. red crabs. Yeah, small, one-inch little red crabs they look like baby baby lobsters exactly. they're small little langostinas i think the tuna feed on them they're like tuna crab is what they call them because yeah. that's what the tuna eat in fact a buddy of mine's a sushi guy and he said that he cut open a local um yellowfin or whatever and, and it was just filled yeah. packed with like those fish are stoked they're right. just in heaven yeah there's just like food everywhere yeah interesting i'll post a video of that too on surfsplendorpodcast.com well i have a musty moment Unless you have other stuff. There's plenty to talk about. But well, to- quick thing about just surf biz that I just saw. Um, uh, it's just rumor right now. It's not substantiated. But the rumor is Target, the clothing retail or the retailer is set to buy DC, the shoe brand from Quicksilver. Wow. So you and I discussed about Quicksilver stock, the bottom falling out of their um, their stock with the quarterly report last time we recorded. And um, the latest news is that Target is set to buy the brand and then they will be the sole retailer, just like Airwalk back in the day, you know? Wow. Um, is it time to buy Quicksilver? Did you buy any Quicksilver stock? No. It went up to like 70 cents. I think it was at 61 or yeah. 59 or something. And um, I wonder if that's the time to buy. I don't know. So the story for listeners, kind of the backstory is, um, DC was founded. It was like a skate brand back maybe in the mid nineties or something. Maybe yeah. Danny way founded it, I think mm, maybe. And then, um, at some so. point Quicksilver purchased it and they've really developed it well. And it's gotten into like rally car racing or like maybe it's Jim Connor racing or something. And then motocross, it's still done really well in skate and they expanded it into surfing at some point. Dane Reynolds rode for them. They had a couple of head to toe riders like Mark Lacomer from France. And, um, after the recession in 2008, maybe a couple of years after that, when they restructured, they cut all of their superfluous and, um, brands dc being one of them they cut the dc surf team completely and focused all of their attention on dc skate like 
DC surf is gone completely. Yeah. And so it's been strictly a skate brand for the last year or two, maybe two or three years, I should say. And um, I don't know if it's fledgling. I don't know what it looks like, but the rumor is that Target's going to step in and purchase. So, well, that makes sense. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean. Without a surf team, it doesn't really re- relate to us any longer, but it's still related to Quicksilver, you know? Yeah, I've always kind of just went like, I remember when Airwalk, I was just what, like, what do shoes have to do like? What does shoes have to do with surfing? Like, yeah. Why, you know, I don't, I guess it doesn't matter, but doesn't. What, why, you know, like, <laughs> where do we draw the line or do we, do we not draw the line? Like, is it okay for um, like women to have tampons as a sponsor or for guys to have, you know, like preparation H or. Um, it's okay with me, dude. You, I mean, you're the one you were talking about outer known and you're going to go buy that. What is that? What do clothing have to do with surfing? Well, the same that shoes do. Maybe you're right. Maybe you, you're you right. wear shoes when you get out I'm of just the water. A, I'm a fan of Kelly Slater, so that's yeah. why I'm about you know. Yeah. Outer known as his brand. I get it, but DC is Danny Way's brand, and who's Danny Way? He's just skater. a skater that can't swim. That's my point. <laughs> I guess. Well, actually, Danny Way surfs in Carlsbad all the time. Does he? Yeah. But 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 thing is, is that he's he's a skater. You know? yeah, yeah. And I, for whatever reason, and I need to get over it. There's some weird insecurity in me or something, but I just don't like it when there's. It just feels like people are trying to glom on to mm-hmm. this really cool thing that is surfing, which yeah. is a big part of our lives. Which, like in many ways, you know, that's how we identify. And right. so when we identify and we're passionate, and then it's like. Oh yeah, the hair gel company is on board, or Monster Energy Drink, or it's just like really, what does that have to do with it? What right. I what I'm all about, and the mm-hmm. answer is nothing. Yeah, and so I'm a little bit, but again, you know, maybe I need to grow up a little bit and just realize whatever it is, business, deal with it. You know, like, you know, do I have a right? I guess I'm asking you to be a little bit uh, salty about it. Sure, you have a right to feel whatever way you want to feel about it. Um, but is it? Do you think that it that there's think, more yeah, to? Is it legitimate? Is it is it valid? Is it cogent? Or is it just like fifteen year old surf kid that not seeing the big picture? I think you're just wasting your time and energy by being having any feelings about it at all. To me, it's in, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks for backing me, bro. No, no. I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, DC. Yeah. I don't feel any emotion any- towards DC at all. I just think it's interesting to see a business life cycle from inception to like hyper profitability to then selling out to target. Like that's an interesting I agree. thing. I think that's me. interesting too. But I mean, you personally, you're a guy that's passionate about surfing, that's grown up surfing, that's grown up. And, and do you identify as a surfer? Yes. Okay. So is there any um, product or any like, is there a point where something gets in the way of what you identify as where you're like, you know what, that's not a part of me. And I don't really like that being a part of, you know, how I identify. I don't like that they're glomming on. Is there something, can you think of an example where you're like, oh, you know what, that's kind of lame because not, not really. when you excavated it enough to realize that, you know what, that's because that's not my experience. That's not who I am. And I can't believe that they're now kind of glomming on to my identity as a surfer. The one thing specifically, the puka shell necklace. Dude, that was around. <laughs> I'm going to slam the table right now. I'm so angry you said that. No. That is the one thing that offends my sensibility as a surfer. Where that be that has become the 
hallmark of a surfer and i just have zero affiliation with that thing <laughs> at all you know you see a guy wearing okay, now you guys know what to get david for his birthday i want to see a bunch of puka shell necklaces coming in the mail for my extended family who doesn't live anywhere near the coast they see a puka shell necklace and, like, oh, surfer. and they go oh david surfs right you know what i mean right. that's for them that's the right. connecting dot okay so the good news is you have this feeling the same feeling that i have at some point it's just different product it might be shoes or monster energy drink for me or whatever it is and for you it's a puka shell necklace yes it is so if a puka shell necklace company came and like sponsored this show who's your yeah this show (laughs) or your favorite surfer who's your favorite surfer like uh john john or sure whatever John John, I could see John John in a puka shell necklace, dude. It's Hawaiian. There's Julie, probably some. Julian Wilson used to wear one. I remember yeah. when he first got big, he right. was wearing it all the time. Did that make you salty? I still hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get it. So, um, and then as we excavate that, what is it about the puka shell necklace? Like, why do you feel um, threatened? I think the reason why I feel threatened is I've only seen non surfers and Julian Wilson wearing them. And maybe that's where I, I come in too. So it's like, when you see like a 909, when I, and by yeah. the way, listeners, when we say 909, here in Southern California, there's this Inland Empire that's like Riverside County, and that's their area code 909, so we make fun of them because they show up at David's Home Beach. Yeah. But um, so when you see these people wearing puka shell necklaces or like wearing airwalks, and you're like, oh, they're trying to identify as me mm-hmm. as a surfer, and that's not, these guys are kooks. Right. And, and, so part of me is like, why am I saying that they're kooks? Maybe they're nice people. Maybe it's okay for them to wear Why not? Who wouldn't want to be like us? Right. You know, like, why not give them the freedom to do that? Yeah. And that's where when I need to excavate. You know what? Let it go. Totally. I'm going to go Kelly Slater. Let it go, man. <sighs> it's been therapeutic for me. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. It's good. Get to the heart of my puka shell, uh, you know, issues. Dude, I am definitely bringing puka shell necklaces <laughs> into the next show. I'm going puka shell. I'm sure we will. Uh, it was a boot in the '70s. Puka shell necklaces was a big thing that surfers ever, wore. Did you ever wear one? I never did, but I, there were surfers that I was, especially a couple lifeguards that I worked with at the Delmar Lifeguard Department. By the way, 50 year anniversary of the Delmar Lifeguard Department coming up this summer, next Saturday, the 27th. We're having a the 50 year anniversary of the Delmar Lifeguard Department. Started 1965. Wow! And it'll be down there at uh, Delmar's Powerhouse Park. Huge. Yeah. Puka shells galore down there. I might, Jim Lisher, the guy who's like sort of organizing it all, he was a guy that wore puka shell necklaces, which was, which is why I was reminded about the lifeguards. So I think the, okay, I'm going to dig deeper right now into the puka shell thing. Um, I think my issue is just like any affectation or any trying too hard to identify as something bothers me. And it doesn't matter if you're the guy wearing a Dodgers, um, jersey uniform or whatever to your family reunion or whatever it is it's like okay cool you're a dodger fan good for you you know what i mean like i don't but like a dodger fans different though right because when they wear that jersey you'd go oh that guy's a fan rather than he's trying to be a ball player that'd be even worse if you he showed up mean? in the uniform cleats. <laughs> now, he's got cleats on like like steel spikes that'd be <laughs> awesome he's doing then sprints almost, then you're almost stoked on him because he's such a freak <laughs> that's true but the puka shell guy you're going he's trying to be a surfer he's not a fan of surfing he's trying to be a surfer like i put more hours in the water than you know than a lot of people 
But if you met me on the street or like in yeah, Trader I would never Joe's, ID you, as you would a never ID. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just a random, which dude. I think is great. By which the way. I, yeah, but, I mean, but that's kind of just my personality. But I want everybody to live their life the way I live my life. But of course, <laughs> and so I'm it's trying like, very if hard. If you do it any other way, then I'm gonna judge you. Yeah, negatively. Right. Well, that, we we need to get rid of that. That's how I feel right? about that. We need to get rid of that. I hold disdain in my heart when I get in the car at Trader Joe's afterwards. Like, God dang. <laughs> that puka shell dude that was working the cash register ruined, wearing a Hawaiian ruined shirt. Ruined my whole shopping what? trip. <laughs> God dang. Oh my, we digress. All right, must-see moment then. All right, well, my must-see moment is, I'm sure you've seen this, but there's some great footage of Desert Point, Australia. There's a massive swell hitting uh, Indonesia. And so Desert Point in Indonesia, I should say, um, there's these crazy barrels going down and there's footage, three different clips of Craig Anderson and Connor Coffin, Mitch Parkinson, who's I think Joel's cousin or nephew. Something like that. Uh, Chippa Wilson. Um, it's just perfect left-hand barrels desert point. And specifically, uh, Craig Anderson surfing is pretty awesome. Just is it? based on, he is the, he is so casual. I mean, he, he's he got that Rob Machado thing down, but it's his own trip. It's his own thing. It is, and, yeah. and he just takes these really high lines and the lack of body motion there's one specific wave where you can tell he's just all he's doing is barely moving his feet and his ankles to get his line set everything else is perfectly still and and very casual not um static or or like hard still but sort of fluidly calm and it's just incredible to watch the lines and the the way he surfs in his style and it's really awesome i missed that clip there's three of them okay you can get them on surfersvillage.com. No, no, no. And, I'll get them uh, on downthelineradio.com, Scott. Well, exactly. That's your website. That's right. <laughs> In case you needed a reminder. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, though, because Craig is a guy that we don't really see that much of. Not lately. No. Not since that Dane Reynolds collab a couple of years ago. Slow Dance. Yeah. Is that what it was? Slow yeah. Dance. Yeah. Dane was the director. Um, and I do love him, and everything that you just articulated about him is how I completely feel. You don't and love him though. You love his style, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. But you think I like, I don't spend know. time with him and like I'm invested in his <laughs> life. Sound a little creepy. No. That's all I'm saying. No. Well, that's what you thought. I meant. <laughs> You said you loved him. I loved him once. It was a one, one time deal. Scott. Was he there when you loved him? Uh, anyways. <laughs> um, but I do love his surfing and, uh, it is poetic, and it's one of those things that, like, watching Tom Curran, where it's just like, yeah, wow, yeah, reevaluating my whole trip. You know? Yeah, he takes these really high lines, and he stands straight up, and and he's, you know, he's, it's just really cool. I guess words aren't going to do it justice. You got to watch it, but yeah. the, but the and the barrels at Desert Point that these guys are getting are just big and perfect and clean and long, you know, and it's one of those waves where. You know, you get a five second, eight second barrel, you come out and you set up for the next one, which is 10 seconds. So it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Well, my must see moment is um, really innovative. Actually, it's Surfer Magazine partnered with Red Cameras. Yeah. And they're doing this project called Red Direct. Yeah, I watched some of it. So they're releasing um, videos over the course of like basically a month and a half, I think. Um, They commissioned 11 filmmakers to create a surf film. And they're a short surf film. And they gave each of the 11 filmmakers a Red camera setup. So Red is a camera company that was founded by Oakley. 
And um, it's like this super high quality, low cost camera. The equivalent of like a movie camera that used to be hundreds of thousands of dollars now is $50,000. They have different levels of them, but the package that they gave these filmmakers is a $50,000 package. All 11 guys are going to make a film. And then the one who wins, I think users get to vote maybe, but the one filmmaker who wins gets to keep the $50,000 camera package as their prize. Wow. So pretty cool project. There's um, two videos have been released. Yeah. And then today a third is being released. I checked this morning and it wasn't posted yet. The first two videos, uh, the first one was John John Florence made by Eric Knudsen. Yeah, I saw both of these. And the second one was featuring a surfer named Tyler Hatzikian, uh, made by Jason Baffa, who I interviewed on this show yeah. for his um, last year's film that he made, which was Bella Vita, the Italian surf film. Which so, of those two did you like better? John John's. Absolutely. By far. Why didn't you, what was it about Tyler's that, why did John, why was John John's better than the one that Jason made? Um, I loved Jason. Eric Knudsen made John John's. Correct. Why was Eric's better than Jason's? Because of opinion? because the concept. It was John John as a child narrating the whole seek the whole video with modern footage of him surfing, and even as a child, he's talking about um, working with Pizel when he was seven years and eight years old. He's talking about his mental state, preparing for contests, and all that sort of thing. But the footage that the voiceover is playing over is modern footage of him working with uh, Pizel in the shaping bay, then him surfing and all. Did you that think surfing. it was John John's voice from an earlier interview when he was like eight, ten years old? Because I did. I completely thought that until he had the I same, saw. He had the same kind of cadence and yeah, everything until as John I saw John. the credit. Right, me too. Yeah. And the credit is narrated by some kid whose name yeah. you don't even know. And I thought, because so initially I thought it was brilliant. I'm like, this filmmaker found this old audio and he's like, wow, bingo, light went on. I'm going to use that yeah. with modern footage and how brilliant that was. And, right. and it's still brilliant, even though you find out later that there was a narrator. And was it scripted? Like, did they just write the script from scratch or was it actually an interview that John John did when he was young? It sounded like it was an interview to me. I mean, it was first person. It sounded like it, but I'm saying you could have wrote a script for it. Right. Maybe. I want to believe that. I hope it was a a real interview. Yeah. I want to believe that it it almost seems like we, it's a little dirty if it wasn't a real interview. That's how I felt. Yeah. I felt like it was the purest thing in the world watching it. And then when the credits rolled and it showed that someone else narrated, it made me feel I dirty. still believed that it was like an old trans world interview that they right. found and they just go, let's just read right from the script. It very well could have been. If that was the case, they should have also put that in the credit. Yeah. With the narration credit, they should have said, taken from an interview from 2006 or whatever. Yeah. I felt like I learned something about John John Florence when I watched that. And I felt like with the Tyler one, with Jason's clip, I just kind of felt like, okay, I I think I saw this in a Longboard Magazine article like 10 years ago or something. I just, it didn't feel fresh or new. It was just like, okay, guy's a great craftsman and he surfs El Segundo. Like I knew that already, you know, and he rides motorcycles and I I agree. I didn't get anything new. No, it was beautifully done. Well, everything Jason does is gorgeous. Of course. I'm not doubting his yeah, exactly. cinematography. But that's my point. I just point. felt like he could have reached a little higher for something where I, I would have been. I just wanted to learn. Yeah. That's all. I don't think that's asking too much. <laughs> it's not asking too much. Um, the I think part of the objective with this project was to make an innovative surf film. And so to that point, they failed. 
Like it's a beautiful film, but it is what Tyler's done before. And it's what Jason's done before. Unfortunately, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but as compared to the John, John piece. Yeah. We really need to get outside the box with surf films. Yep. Even clips. Agreed. Which you know, I saw something. There's. Did you see the thing on Beach Grip, Forbidden Trim? Yep. I thought that was awesome. Did you? Yeah, just because it was different and funny and so stupid. It reminded me of um, Tropic Thunder, that Ben Stiller it did, movie. Yeah. And it, so explain Forbidden Trim. Forbidden Trim is um, a movie that I forget the guy's name. I don't have the. Inf- well, we don't have internet right now. I put it on Facebook, my Facebook page. Yeah. And I'll put it on uh, Downline Radio. Sure. But um, the movies, it's just this campy, like. B movie um, ripoff on some like spy thriller, army thriller thing where the seventies. Yeah. From the seventies where it's really Alex Nost and a couple of other guys surfing really killer Mexico. Yeah. But they set up the premise. You watch the, the three minute trailer, the first two minutes look like a film that looks like mission impossible TV show from 1968. Yeah. They're going to send this informant, this FBI informant to some, made up country on the coast of whatever, you know, Africa or something. Caldera. Caldera, yeah. That's the name of the the country. So um, they're going to send him there to spy on somebody, but he's going with a team of surfers and the surfers are going to be the distraction. That's his cover. Exactly. So the surfers are going to distract everybody while he does his spying. And um, then the final minute of the trailer are the actual surfers. But the surfing looks incredible. It does. And, and, you know, it's easy for us to go, okay, Alex knows. I can watch him for a long time. He's got a great style. But there was also some high performance surfing that I saw there. I was like, wow, that's cool too that they threw that in there so we get best of both worlds. There was a Tom Kern clip. That too. There was a Tom Curran clip riding a fire, like a Tomo Firewire, and he and it was Selena Cruz. A lot of that yeah. stuff was Selena Cruz. He did a one turn and a bottom turn that was just like you're like yeah, he unbelievable. Sh- he should be hashtag Curran Wildcard for sure. Yeah, for sure. That was pretty cool, and and so that's the kind of thing uh, you know. I guess not thing, but that's the kind of um, surf film film that. I, and I saw a great, the guy who wrote for Beach Grit, who wrote about this film, I forget his Rory name. Rory Parker. Rory. He, he he's listened. a good writer. He listens to this show. I like that guy's writing. But he said, he wrote something which was brilliant, which was, I'm so sick of us throwing this like spiritual, um, uh, you know, like mytholo- myth, you know, mythological, like just don't put your spiritual trip on us just going and doing our selfish wave riding. Right. And, and, and there's so many films. I'm so sick of surf films, which are like, basically you, you leave the film and you're like, surfing's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's like, yeah. dude, that movie was done. It's called endless summer. Don't do it again. We yeah. get it. You know, I want to see a film about a guy that quits surfing. That's way more interesting to me than, you know, you're, Oh, I love surfing and I drink coffee in the morning and we ride waves and save the, ocean Blah. you know it's like you want to vomit right anyway well i've got a we need du- mo- it's so anyway i want to tie this up real quick okay surf filmmakers if you're out there do something way outside the box it's got to be outside the box and i don't know what that means if it's like what eric did with this voiceover but it just cannot be hey let's go film because i love surfing let's go film surfing and talk about how great it is yeah. that's gonna that that that's horrible mm-hmm well, surfermag.com, Red Direct is that project. And we're going to see, you know, uh, uh, nine more films. And so. it can't just be groovy cinematography either. Right. That's been done. Right. Like, you know, I don't need to see the mustard fields in and out of focus it, going to some. Exactly. And that's the thing board. with these red cams, like 
the imagery is so beautiful, it's easy to just rely on that. Yes. You know? You can't and everything's super slow mode and like water droplets fall. And it's like, yeah, all right, it's like, okay, I've yeah, seen done. It. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Well, I got a kook. Um, I got a YouTube video that I'll post on surfsplendorpodcast.com, which is wipeouts and GoPros galore. Now with the GoPro positioned on the nose of the board, looking at the surfer kind of position, which is the stupidest angle ever. Thank you. Basically. Yes, it is. And it's also the angle that most beginners use. You know, like if you're a beginner and you bought a longboard from Costco, that's where you position your GoPro. You bought the longboard and the GoPro together at Costco as a package. You position it on the nose of your board facing at you. So this two minute YouTube clip is basically beginners riding longboards with that angle getting smashed. <laughs> like a number of them go over the falls, like they'll paddle into a wave and then just go ass over tea kettle kind of a thing and get pitched in the board like tombstones and then hits them in the head, you know, which is pretty awesome. But a lot of them are guys who clearly don't know etiquette and how to paddle and how to position. So you could see them stroking into a wave, looking straight at the beach as this wave's approaching in the background with three guys coming down the line right at them. (laughs) And a couple of them get hit right in the face. The nose of a longboard coming down the line with them completely oblivious, just looking towards shore paddling. And the longboard comes over their shoulder and just smashes them in the orbital socket. Oh you my know? God. Like, it's That's horrible. It's horrible. A couple of them are like gnarly. Wow. But again, you're going, dude, you're paddling into a wave that there's three people already riding without looking. What do you think is going to happen? So I, I use this kook video as a cautionary tale as we tiptoe into summer for people just to watch and and pull the reins back a little bit, pump the brakes. Anything for vanity, right? Dude, you don't need to you don't need to paddle out into at the pier at Huntington or First Point Malibu and fight for waves with everybody else who already knows what they're doing. Go down the beach, take off on some white water and get your Go GoPro clip there. I've got another musty moment that just came to me and, and we should have talked about this earlier, but CJ Hobgood, the GoPro of the event, right? What do they call that contest or GoPro moment or whatever yeah. it is? Yeah. Have you seen that one where it's just a beautiful barrel at cloud break and the sun's coming up? It's an early morning. And CJ does that really cool thing where the whole time he's, you know, it's slow mode and he's in the barrel and he's looking out the barrel. But at the end, he kind of turns the camera to him and mm. mouths something like, well, you know, something really cool. I forget what yeah. he said, but, and then he, and then you can see the guys in the boat in the distance in the background, like raising their arms. Like that was an insane barrel. I missed that one. And it's one of those like David Pu'u shots where the sun is reflecting in the barrel the whole time. The line of the sun reflection is just like perfectly situated as the sun's rising and CJ's just got it going on. And wow, that's a really cool I clip. I almost envision it. Yeah. Well, um, are you sure you want to have two musty moments or do you want to make that your duke so that you're not left hanging without it? Yeah, duke? of course that's my duke. There Didn't I go. say that? There you go, Scott. And and by the way, CJ retiring. Oh, yeah. Um, he announced his it's retirement. sort of an important thing. He was the 2001 uh, world champion. I remember that year greatly um, because of of that was the year of the, twin tower, of the um, World Trade Center going right. down. And it was a big deal. Um, that was an interesting year for me because... I was the online editor at Surfer Magazine, and it was really 2001. I mean, people were just getting hardwired throughout you know, their, their homes, and, and the internet was really starting to boom in 2001. And this was that time when people were saying stuff online that they maybe shouldn't have said, and 
Um, I remember um, Al Hunt had said some stuff, you know, like it was just a crazy time. You know, Taylor Knox, like everybody was like, what do we do? You know, does the tour happen? Are we going to pull the plug on the tour? What's going to happen here? And uh, eventually they pulled the plug on the tour that year and CJ Hopgood became the world champion about halfway through. So he had accumulated the most points. Yeah, he was leading at that point in September. And um, it was a a pretty fascinating time in our history. And CJ well-deserved world champion 2001 and a great surfer, great uh, charger. I remember as young kids, when those two kids were 15 and 16 and they were in Hawaii, everyone was like, God, these kids just, and I mean Damien and CJ, they do not, they charge. These guys were charging from Florida. Another, here comes some more Florida kids that are ripping, you know, and they lived up to it. And um, both of them, great surfers. Well, yeah. So CJ announced his retirement during the Fiji pro. Yeah. So that was that. Uh, My kook also related to the Fiji, I'm sorry, my duke also related to the Fiji Pro, is Kai Otten. Uh, Kai Otten, notorious charger. I don't think he's the best surfer. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Kai as a surfer, but what I am a huge fan of is he sets the standard for charging year in and year out. And Owen Wright's ability to charge into set waves has to do with Kai charging into set waves in a previous heat. Like Owen doesn't back down, pulls into closeouts, I'm and uh, paid the, the price in this event. You mean Kai? Kai, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, Kai. Kai paid the price. He ended up getting smashed in a huge closeout. I mean, the thing was a huge wave and um, just got smashed, cut up everywhere. I don't really know what his ultimate injuries were in the end, but I mean, you could see tons of white on his leg. I don't know if it was his flesh before it bled out or if it was bone on his knee or what, but it was a lot of white. And um, he was paralyzed momentarily. He couldn't quite recover from it. They had to rescue him with the ski. Even once he was on the ski, they couldn't really motor back to the boat because he was just completely disabled, laying flat on the back, and they didn't want to worsen any back injury that he potentially could have had. But he talked about that wave and basically took off on a set wave, pulled into the barrel, was charging through the thing. And then it ultimately was a big closeout section that he just went straight through. But he said the bottom of the wave just dropped out where it's like, normally you'd be able to jump off or something where the section of the reef that that was on, he said it literally just sucked up over dry reef and there was zero water to jump off into. And he just smashed the two inches of water, maybe. Even According less. to Paul's feet. Even less. He just smashed the reef and then sucked over the falls, hit it again, and came up just completely debilitated. So Kai charges year in and year out and normally gets away unscathed, sometimes gets a 10. We've seen him get 10s um, at Chopu, I think, last year. And I'll um, tell you what, I don't know if the listeners know this, but if you've been to Cloudbreak, you know it, but that wave kicks your ass. I mean, it is not... Uh, a fun a fun place to have to be duck diving or to wipe out at it really just all you know it's a it looks all pretty and blue and gorgeous and easy but it is not yeah. it is a very tough wave in many different ways right well i just i love it that kai isn't the best surfer everybody writes him off but he adds value in a certain way and that way is by charging so he yeah. is my duke yeah, for sure. Good good Duke. Thank you. Good choice. Thank you. Um, and my Duke CJ. Yep. Uh, okay, well, I guess until next time, right? 
Um, your website is hello. No, email. your email is hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. David's website is surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'm sure more people listen to the show off of your site than off of my site. Do you have any? I do. Because I think you market better and I think your site's probably cleaner, cleaner looking. Doesn't even matter to me as long as they're listening. Well, we need to monetize this thing. I did get an email about Amazon and about um, yoga. Yoga, maybe. uh, Yeah. But oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We need to look into that. We'll talk about that offline. But um, but. Keep listening, you know, and spread the word out there, you guys. Um, Tell people about our show. If you like our show, the best thing that David and I would have you do is tell other people about the show. You know what I always say, Scott? What do you always say? What's your tagline? I always say we are more than happy to produce the content and it's free. But the way that the listeners can invest in the show is simply by sharing it with friends. Yeah, share it. Invest by sharing it like, with Like, look, friends. dude, we're doing all the hard leg work. You can do a little bit of work just by sharing it with a friend. And then you get free content for life. And then at some point, you and I are going to have to try to sell the show because we can't do it for free forever. Like, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, I'll talk to you offline about it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, my email, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And of course, David has an Instagram, which is at Surf Splendor. Yep. My Instagram is at Boardroom Show. I think so. And my Twitter is at Boardroom Surf. Sweet. Yeah, connect. Converse. By the way, our hashtag, and we need you to push this out there, hashtag Curran Wildcard, and then make sure you put at WSL. Who doesn't want to see Curran shred at J-Bay? That would be insane. Animals. That's it. Until next time, adios and aloha. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is, of course, where you go to find all the videos, the kook, the duke, the musty moments, all that stuff. We have it all on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. And then, of course, there's a comment section, so you can leave a comment about today's show or any of the past shows. There's almost 100 episodes now. I think we're on 95, 94, 95. Um, So tons of content. It's all for free. It's all archived. Your podcast app on your phone only archives the last 50, but we've got everything else on the website. So check that out. And that's a great place to share with friends too. Just copy the URL, post it on their Facebook wall, send them an email, do what you got to do to spread the good word. All right. Thank you very much. Look forward to uh, early next week. I'll drop the episode with Andrew Kidman. And until then, this is your humble host, David Scales, just reminding you to get a few waves and shred on.